Less me talky and more us talky together. So this is the bonus episode. We don't want it to be super fucking long. Sue, so, with that said, uh, Soundhouse Tapes, uh, Women in Uniform, and uh, Made in Japan. So enjoy. Thank you, guys. Good morning, everybody. It is bonus episode time. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. I'm ready to talk some Maiden. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, how's your week been, Anthony? It has been a crazy week. Work has been batshit insane, but it's been a a fun one, even if it's been crazy. Okay, cool. And Paul, do you want to talk about your week? Well, we can leave a lot of the details out, but uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy and hectic with uh, car problems and you know, my wife's job uh, having a little bit more stress than usual this week. But like I said, we, we made it to the other side and uh, we're, we're ready to go. So. Yeah, and your, your wife is the queen of all things. So she, she's got this handled. Yeah, for sure. I, I had no doubt that she was going to crush uh, them uh, mortal attackers that were showing up at her <laughs> fort. Yeah, yeah. She always survives, but... You know, happens every year, but this this one seems to be um, a little extra because I feel sometimes like the uh, the auditor is really gunning for people this time. Yeah. Um. Well, especially this this lady in particular. Some of them are like, "Yeah, cool, I'll help out," and other ones are just physically looking for anything they possibly can to screw you over so yeah they do that um so it was a little more stressful than what she wanted but like i said she passed and we're on the other side of it so we can we can go to arizona freely without worrying about anything so <laughs> nice Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. <laughs> so who will survive and what will be left to them what when do you when do you leave for Arizona? Is it uh, two weeks? Two Fridays? No, this coming Friday, the twentieth. This oh. coming Friday. So you are gonna have to record really late next week, or we're gonna have to get somebody to take over for you. What do you mean, really late? Well, well, really early next week because you're you're gonna be three hours away. Yeah, it's fine. I I'm already anticipating it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Paul's got this. Yeah, I mean, I already told her. I was like, yeah, we'll do this one this week, and then we're recording this one the, the week that we're out there. So she's like, well, that's going to be a little weird. I'm like, yeah, well, so be it. You know, that's, you know, I'll, I'll listen to the material and be ready for it, you know. And, you know, I guess if we do it again at 11, it'll be 8 o'clock, uh, roughly, uh, Arizona time. But it's it's fine, because I'm sure the kids are going to be up any damn way. <laughs> 
And it'll be Number of the Beast. If you're not familiar with Number of the Beast, I may have to start finding a new guitar player. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 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 What? It's Number of the Beast. It's like the maiden album that everybody says, everybody speaks of. Oh, yeah, Number of the Beast. They're Satanists. That's like, shut up. (laughs) Anyway, today we're talking about Three things. Number one, the, this is uh, what did you call it, Anthony? I like the way you you put it on that uh, email. The, the Diano Miscellany. The Diano Miscellany. So this is the Diano Miscellany, and it's uh, the Soundhouse tapes, uh, women in uniform, and uh, Made in Japan. This is a review of the Soundhouse tapes from Neil K. 1979, I believe. Every so often, one special band emerges from the mass of untried and unknown hopefuls which fill the streets of the rock world. Iron Maiden is just one such band, bringing with their emergence a style of rock music so hard, gritty, and honest in its delivery that only success can justify their hard toil. The tracks on this EP were the first ever recorded by the band and are the authentic unremixed cuts taken from the demo tape recorded at Space Ward Studios in Cambridge on December 30th, 1978 and subsequently presented to me in the Soundhouse a week later. After one hearing, it was obvious that Iron Maiden would become one of the leaders of present-day heavy metal, combining the sort of talent and hard drive that the music world must not ever ignore. Neil K. So I had no idea Soundhouse tapes existed until... So in, in Puerto Rico, when I was growing up, it was, you know, no internet. You had to take a lot of, uh, you know, mailing list time and shit like that. And I had no time for that. I was too busy. Uh playing with my G.I. Joes and my Masters of the Universe. <laughs> um, watching wrestling, like copious amounts of wrestling. So um, so when I found out that this existed, there, there was a, they had, I think if you bought, some, sometime in the 90s, if you bought all of these albums, there were some coins inside, and then you put them all together, and you paid this much and you mailed it to somewhere and they will send you a copy of it. And that's when I knew that, that this existed. Um, I never did it, of course, because that would have taken, you know, asking me, asking my, my, my parents to take me somewhere to do something that was totally out of the way. And that's a story for another day. Not that they were, that they sucked or anything. They didn't. It's just, it wasn't like, well, let's go do all this. And we had to stop at the post office. And, you know, my dad was like, nope, none of that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> th- this is how I found out about it. So um, I didn't hear it until we started talking about it, like sit down and actually listen to it. I've heard tracks, but I hadn't like heard all three of them until Anthony mentioned it the first time, right? the Soundhouse tapes. And I was like, oh, fuck, yes, I remember that. Um, so Anthony, you, you may want to just go ahead and take this one. Yeah. So, I mean, I first heard the Soundhouse tapes and then maybe three, four years ago, I was able to, uh, track down a copy via somewhat, uh, questionable means. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to get us into trouble, so I'm not going to say how, um, 
That's okay. They're listening. You're going to jail. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> Again. Again. Um, and so, I mean, it's always held a fascination for me, you know, the first Maiden recording and hearing these, what, what are effectively demo versions of two tracks I know really well, plus Invasion. And even now, like listening to it, I'm still kind of blown away by it. And then there, there was originally a fourth track, which was Strange World. Um, the band weren't happy with the quality of it. It is actually out there on YouTube. You can find it. I actually see nothing wrong with the quality on that track, but eh, I'm not Steve Harris. So, you know, I can't tell you what was going on in his brain. But I mean, I, I think it's a really, really crucial and interesting piece of Maiden history. And I'm glad we've been able to cover it today. It is so slow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay. And, um, but I'll tell you what, Invasion sounds the best of the three, in my opinion. You know, one thing I really love is this version of Prowler. Like, really? not, so much, not so much for the music. You listen to Diano, and he is on fire, and those creepy little laughs he does in it. Like, you really get the idea that he is, like, channeling this kind of creepy stalker type guy. It's, I think it's really cool the way he does the, the vocals nice, on that. Cause... Because I almost killed myself before it ended. <laughs> I absolutely disliked it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, I was planning, I was like, how do I make this end? Do I hit stop or do I just kill myself? I don't know what I want to do. What's What will be quicker? But Invasion I liked, and Iron Maiden was so slow that I was like, oh my god. Yeah, so like half tempo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it's it's really interesting to listen to it because you can hear the lyrics so much clearer. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, I feel like in that respect, it makes the track a little bit more impactful because otherwise the lyrics, they go really quick by you. And this one, they kind of like, they almost, they're again in the stalker territory where you kind of feel like he's kind of like, he's a little evil. He's got like a little something going on in his head there. You know, when he's uh, even saying the lyrics at that slow of a speed. Yeah. And if you think about it in like the context of the time, you know, this is the late 70s. Horror rock is really kind of starting to come out. You know, in the US, the, the Misfits had been around for a little bit. Um, you'd started to hear bands like Blue Oyster Cult. So having that kind of emphasis on both Iron Maiden and, and Prowler with that kind of horror theme, I feel like they're really kind of riding the zeitgeist here. Yeah, it, it also, this EP kind of sends it in a, like, sends the band in a completely different path. Just, if you listen to this, you're expecting something closer to um, Alice Cooper, kind of the early Alice Cooper, like that whole, like, creepy thing. Yeah. Um, but then the first album comes out and it's, you know, all over the place. It's not really a, a, a horror rock band. But if you listen to this album about, you know, aliens are coming and Prowler and come into my room, I'm going to kill you. You're like, oh, this is a horror band. But it is not. They just take a, take a left, total left. Yeah. Although, <laughs> you know, it's it's effectively early versions of what would go on uh, Iron Maiden and then Invasion as a, a later single. 
it's so easy to see like the potential in the band from this and it's it's so obvious why they got picked up by a record label after this like while it's not quite the maiden that we know and love there's so much raw potential in that and they just need someone to come in and give them a bit of direction i wonder what they would have done i mean i don't want to wonder too much but I wonder what they would have done if they had never been picked up and they stayed playing bars, you know, like another band that we know, Paul. Yeah. And uh, just played in the local scene for a while and uh, and just kept having to struggle through to make their albums. I wonder if, if they would have gone raw <laughs> or if they would have tried their best with what they had. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's things that I'm happy I'll never know. I can say, if you think about it, if they'd never made it, we would never have got Bruce. Yeah. Yes. Well, Bruce might be singing with, with Samson still. Yeah, as Bruce Bruce. As Bruce Bruce. I mean, what, <laughs> what a stage name. rock star like Bruce Bruce. Is your Is stage that... name now going to be Radu Radu? Radu Radu. Papi Pipiri. Radu Radu. Papiri. <laughs> I get my own song. Perfect. Well, as a demo... As for what it is, I I give it a I give it a, a holy fuckballs just because of I I know what they did. If it wasn't because of that, I would give it a chubby. If I didn't know what they became, I would just give it a chubby. So can can you remind me of the uh, the options on this, please, Rodu? Of course, <laughs> yes. Let me go look for them because I have them. I always forget and I change them every week, so I have to write them down. Oh, it's holy fuck balls and the explosion of the masses and a dick in your ass. So, so they are uh, holy fuck balls, mass arousal, chubby, eh, and fuck this shit. All right, I I would say mass arousal. Nice on this. It's not quite there, but it's it's pretty. You fucking good. Cool. Yeah, I'll probably go with uh, the mass. It uh, it it has where um, in the first track it kind of sounds like the drums slow down or something's out of time, but um, uh, I think all in all, though, yeah, it's it's a it's a great um, forefront for what the band becomes and. Like uh, Anthony said, it was no surprise that they got picked up from um, having having this uh, been heard. Women in uniform. Women in uniform. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start this by saying this is my fuck this shit. Yeah, me, <laughs> me too. I, I, I never liked, I never liked this song. I cannot deal with it at all like i i think i i saw the video twice and then i saw it on mute because i was like oh maiden what is going on yeah the video is the best thing about this yes without the music yes um i I did not know there was this video so there is a video and i can i can send it to you so you can well you could find it on youtube and you can enjoy it yes So this song was originally written by the band The Skyhooks. They're Australian. It was written by their bass player, which is why I'm sure Steve Harris chose it. No, well, he didn't choose it. Now that I, I went back after I was like, oh, this makes... I, I know if you saw the notes, I was like, coincidence? I think not. But 
uh, as I read further, um, I, uh, I, I, the, the label told them to, to do this uh, song. And they agreed. <laughs> like Steve Harris said, I'm never doing this shit again. In fact, Steve's exact words were, I'm never ever going to allow someone to, uh, from outside to fuck around with our music again. <laughs> <laughs> so shitty that they did that. But I mean, it is what it is, man. It, it did it didn't chart, I believe. So it got them somewhere. Got to number 35 in the UK singles chart. Look at that. Look at that. Jeez. Paul, get ready to cover a uh, R. <laughs> Kelly song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like the, um, the intermediate piece between the, the debut album and Killers. So it was like a little bit of, I guess, a, a little piece of Maiden while, while the wait was happening. Yeah, I don't know. I'm try. I'm trying to come up with something good to say about this guy. <laughs> I mean, it's. I understand why they did it. Um, not not day as in maiden. Um, well, day as maiden, because you have a label and they're just telling you this is what we should do. Here's an idea. Do this song. You don't, They didn't understand that the label probably. Uh, they were probably trying to push skyhooks too. I mean, who knows? We, we don't know what was even in their minds. But it charted. It answers the question because when I saw when I first saw the video for this, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is this song's terrible." Um, the and I found the long version, and I'm, I'm jumping a little bit, but when I found the long version of Made in Japan, and it said it had a cover on the album, I was like, oh, yeah, women in uniform, I'm assuming. Uh, after Years later, after I found out that, that it was a cover, because I didn't know it was a cover for the longest time. I just thought it was like, like somebody hit Steve Harris over the head with something, and he wrote whatever <laughs> came out. Um, but... When I found out that it was a Montrose song, I was like, why the fuck didn't they do Women in Uniform? And I was like, ah, yeah, because it sucks and it's not what they wanted to do. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, I, I would be pretty happy if I'd never heard this song again. I, <laughs> be, be, before we said we would do it for this, I'd forgotten how terrible it was. <laughs> <laughs> this was your idea. This was my idea, and I regret <laughs> it deeply. <laughs> Now I'm, I, I'm sorry for putting you through this, guys. I didn't hate the Skyhooks version. You know, I thought about listening to that this morning and then forgot. Yeah, so. I did not hate it. It's not. I mean, by it's not on my playlist right now. It'll probably never will be, but <laughs> it's a totally different song. Totally different song. Do you get to listen to it, Paul? No, actually, I didn't. I didn't realize um, to think. I I started listening to them yesterday, but I I forgotten to look that one up because you said it's only on Spotify, right? I found it only on Spotify. Um, it, like the song is from the Skyhooks album "Guilty Until Proven Insane," um, but the song is only on their greatest hits on Spotify, which is the only song, the only album they have currently that I could find on Spotify. Right. Okay. I found another artist called Skyhook, but Skyhooks with an S. There was only one, 
and they're from Australia. So, I mean, a band from Australia during that time, like, I mean, it's fascinating that we could find something, you know? Yeah, usually that stuff's pretty buried and forgotten. Yeah. So I'm going to start off a band called Dead Right. <laughs> yes. You know? Do it. Uh, come on, guys. Have some. So, don't no, call no, yourself no. something that someone else has. Come on. <laughs> That's just lazy. Uh, is it as lazy as calling your band Skid Row after a band called Skid Row? Also true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, supposedly, in 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 their defense, supposedly, um, that other band was just for a little bit. Wasn't you know? Okay. It, it didn't make it, it. It's in their defense. I I you know it's, this is not a Skid Row podcast, so I didn't go searching for it, but I do remember that interview. By by the way, just just to put this in perspective, so this what did I say? Number thirty five on the charts. Yes. All right. So the next song to chart higher than this was as a single was run to the hills which reached number seven okay maiden's first and only uk number one was bring your daughters to the slaughter in the early which 90s insane when you think about the fact that they released wasted years a couple of years before and just to put this into true perspective even the angel and the fucking gambler charted higher than women in uniform coming in at number 18 <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm not buying the fact that it, that it charted as a positive about this. I, I think that's just, you know, shows that the UK general public don't know shit. Just so you know, I have a theory that you are going to leave this podcast when we get to the Paul De- to the Blaze Bailey years. Uh, maybe. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am I'm going I... to spread diarrhea all over the Angel and the Gambler. Well, I mean, even though Virtual Eleven is one of my favorites, yeah, I mean it was terrible, but (laughs) but but the rest of Virtual Eleven was fucking great. But I agree. Anyway, I love that album so much. Except I can never defend my friend. My friend Steve and I always have maiden conversations, and I defend these albums till to death. And he always he always slaps me in the face with his penis with. uh, uh, the, the angel and the gambler. I was like, God damn it! Well, I can't answer. Um, I have nothing. Fair, when, when we get there, I do have a bit of a connection to Blaze Bailey, so yes, you know, yes, we'll come back to that. Actually, when we get to Blaze Bailey, we're probably going to do a couple, uh, like a couple of intro bonus episodes where we can talk about because that's how we were. That's how we got together. I was like, Hey, you want to come into my podcast? When I was doing interviews, um, yeah, I was like, Hey, you want to come into my podcast and let's talk about Blaze Bailey and how how you got your connection with him and all that. And then I got tired of promoting the podcast and nobody promoted the fucking things. I was like, might as well do whatever the fuck I want on it. <laughs> that sound bitter? I'm sorry. But I'll, we'll come, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay, I will cut it on, on, on the thing. Oh, by the way, did you guys like the, the, the cut I did to all the disgusting shit that I said last week? Uh, You're welcome. Nobody has to uh, be uh, on social media getting lambasted. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Can yeah. we? Are we done with women in uniform? Does anybody need something? Yeah, I, I think pretty much uh, we're all done with it now. Are we? All right. Are we all? Are we all fuck this shit on that? Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet uh, maiden, maiden Japan. Holy fuck balls. 
Wait, was Holy I early? Fuck balls. Now let me tell you this. I really like that that album when it was a fucking EP. And when I got the full album and I was listening to it this week because I, I haven't had it in a while, and you 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 put it in my hands. I love it so much. Even the songs that I was down on from the album live, I'm like, yeah, give it to me. Yeah, this like is- that. Like uh, that Clive Burr drum solo on Another Life. Holy fuckballs. Right? <laughs> right? So Paul said, um, since when does Maiden do solos? And uh, yeah, it's a little known fact that even up to somewhere in time, I've seen videos of them doing solos. Now, yeah. I guess they stopped, which is fine. I prefer songs. But yeah, it was pretty interesting to be like, wait a minute, we're Clive's taking a drum solo. Okay. And then later on, we get, you know, a random, there's a guitar solo yes. too that happens after, what is it? It's after, uh, it's in there, okay. we'll find it. So listen to this, the whole thing, you'll find solos people. So this <laughs> was this was recorded on Killers Tour, right? Where apparently yes. Diano wanted out, he, he wasn't feeling it and apparently wasn't putting any effort in. I didn't get that on this. Like he not was on fire. Now yeah. sorry to go back to quoting the book and not having the actual quote in my hands because I can't find the book in all my shit here. I thought I had it and that was uh the one that they had, uh, the little, the book one, I thought that was the book and it was not. But as soon as I find it, I can quote that on, during the, uh, during the Bruce Dickinson goodbye tour, Steve Harris said the same thing about Bruce. He said that Bruce was yeah. just mumbling and they just couldn't hear him. So I'm, 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 I'm thinking maybe his ears get clogged by hatred. <laughs> it's very possible. Yeah, which is get, fine. Might get, might get a little bitter. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, can't blame him <laughs> because Paul f- was on fire. He was great. And this is the drifter with the yo, 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 yo. Yeah. That sounded very, um, like, if you ever listen to The Police, it, sound- it was the exact same, oh, yo, oh, yo, 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 that uh, Sting does on uh, Walking in the Moon, which I thought was a weird thing for Maiden to reference. But uh, yeah. Yo, yo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I hated it less this time. I remember hating it so much more be- before. When I saw that, when I hit play on the song and I saw that it was eight minutes, I was like, I bet you this is the one. <laughs> <laughs> there but, it was. <laughs> but, you know, just to go back what, on what we were saying, like even the tracks that I felt weren't great on uh, the debut album or on Killers, like here they're taken to another level. And those songs that I loved are like, fucking amazing here so purgatory for example that was my highlight killers and again holy fuck balls yeah or phantom of the opera fuck you know uh, the energy and the rawness in playing them live is, is paul, fucking awesome paul phantom, phantom of the opera is so incredibly fast it is unreal <laughs> yeah paul was like what the fuck is going on I'm like, how much cocaine did they have before the show? <laughs> and because, then you... because I've played, I've played it live a few times, you know, doing Phantom of the Opera, and you've got to kind of pace yourself, otherwise that song can get away from you. And they were going at least 20 beats per minute faster than even the recording itself. And like when it gets to the that one little bridge part, 
Keep your distance, walk away, don't take this baby. Hey, ho, ho. Yeah, it's like cuckoo candle, cuckoo candle, cuckoo candle, cuckoo candle, cuckoo candle. I'm like, holy crap, like. Everybody say, oi, 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 oi. See, I'm just just imagining you getting a text like two weeks before the next Dead Right show and Radu being like, hey, Paul, we're going to do the Made in Japan version of Phantom of the Opera as a cover and you just responding with like, fuck this, I quit. (laughs) (laughs) What he usually answers is, Yes, I'll find you a guitar player. <laughs> the... I, I would probably give it a good go, but you know, the rest of the band's got to keep that one up. <laughs> there's uh, there's that little break before they jump into into the bam 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 bam. You know when they're coming from that? That was yeah. a disaster that they say that coming into that. Well, and is it just my speakers? Are there sections in which like the drums and the bass just completely disappear from the recording? That's probably why those are not available everywhere. Yeah, I mean, the version we listened to was the like Japan only release because you know the. For some reason, bands always release extra material for the Japanese market. Yeah, um, or the, there's a, the, you know, there's a Venezuelan or Latin American re- release that has Paul Diano's head, like Eddie's holding Paul Diano's head. I didn't know that, but that's good yes. It is just like um, the Maiden uh, video with the magician yeah. Raising Hell. Raising Hell. Uh, it's just like Racing Hell, but it's uh, it's the Eddie holding Paul Diano's head. Nice. I was going to do that as the cover of this episode, but I don't know if we'll get sued for that. Probably not. The what? Probably not. We'll probably be fine. Okay. okay. Um, if not, I'll but, just send it to you so you can see it. I was going to say, I'm not a lawyer, so don't take my word on that. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I already recorded something, like an intro for this, and there was some Maiden playing in the background, and I was like, you know what, fuck it. It sounds good if they kill me, whatever. <laughs> but our, our, our 22 downloads will be fine to pay it back. I was going to say, <laughs> worst case scenario, we'll get a cease and desist letter before they actually sue us. So Exactly, and then I'll cease and I'll desist. We'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is like such a, a fitting end of the Diano era. Like, it really gives you the impression of what a live show might be like and you know if we're not gonna ever be able to experience that in any other way like i'm glad this was the last release before bruce came in i've uh, i yeah i've never been able to successfully do a live album and it's incredible how successfully amazing all of their live albums are even yeah. the ones when they didn't have the money they have now yeah those ja- those japanese kids were pretty loud and they're pretty tame in the they're tame while you're playing the song when the song's over they go crazy yeah um that was fucking awesome best love albums are always from japan i don't know man well good evening long beach arena true i'm thinking i I know it was like heavily overdubbed but unleashed in the east was fucking phenomenal live album the the docking live album live in the east is really good too yeah uh, but my favorite Maiden live album is Rock and Rio. Yes. And we'll get there. We'll get Brazil. there. Brazil, Brazil, <laughs> Brazil, Brazil. That's shit. That whole thing is what gave me back my love for everything Maiden. I was like, I love Maiden. And oof, those albums came out and I was like, ah! 
All right. So I'm, I'm assuming we're all into, are we all into holy fuck balls with this one or Paul, are you? Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much, yeah, holy fuck balls. I, from track one to the end, um, it was pretty much, you know, like, like you said, even the songs that are like, eh, really like on fire and all over the place and the energy that comes from that like i was saying to you is very reminiscent of our our kind of live shows where everything is just kind of go 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 don't sit there and talk and don't no no just track the track the track and they kind of keep the same format i mean he says a few words in between you know, a handful of songs, but they don't really take a whole lot of resting. Also, the Montrose cover that's on the album is, was not in Japan. It was recorded in London. Yeah, I did see that. I mean, some of this stuff is like that we've covered today. Like, it's hard to find for a reason. And others, I wish I'd had this, you know, 20 years ago when I was first getting into Made. I wish I'd had the full Made in Japan recording. I think that would have made the Diano era like a lot more appealing to me versus... I didn't need women in uniform 20 years ago. I still don't need women in uniform now. <laughs> Nobody needs it. Nobody needs you know? it in 1979. So there, there you go. <laughs> Those are my closing thoughts. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, guys. Well, you guys have a fantastic week. Thank you for um, coming down to record this uh, bonus episode. And... Um, Paul, you have a good trip. Thank you. Yes. Now, uh, plug your shit, Anthony. All right. You can find me on the Watchers in the Fourth Dimension Doctor Who podcast. Uh, we will have a new episode out at the end of the week. And, um, yeah, give us a listen if you like Doctor Who. Polly, Polly, Polly. Um, well, you can, you know, deadrights.com. Still got the new EP. Still got new shirts and new hoodies and all kinds of other goodies. So... Go check it out and buy some stuff. Here's a report from ultimateguitar.com by Eduardo Rivadavia. He made this in 2015, a report of uh, why um, Paul Diano was ousted from Iron Maiden. As Iron Maiden rushed out for a grueling world tour, those misgivings with Paul Diano were unfortunately confirmed by his early unreliability. On the band's first swing across Europe, five German dates had to be canceled so Diano could rest his voice. That understandably irked promoters, disappointed fans, and sapped Harris' last bit of faith in his lead singer. For his part, Diano would later blame his lack of commitment on a growing disenchantment with Iron Maiden's almost military professionalism. As dictated by Harris, he was openly nicknamed Sergeant Major Harris. The band manager, Rod Smallwood, also known as Small Wallet, but for entirely different reasons. Their exacting standards, Diano felt, were draining all the fun out of being in a rock and roll band. After those initial European dates, Iron Maiden were subsequently booked for a string of shows in Japan, in America, a first for the group, and in Europe again. By the time the initial lineup of Diano, Harris, guitarist Adrian Smith and Dave Murray and drummer Clyde Burr finally made it back home again, they were on the verge of becoming a singerless quartet. Diano was summoned to Rod Smallwood's office and he was told that he was being let go. The decision at that point was pretty mutual. It's true, I was relieved, Diano told Mick Wall in Iron Maiden's authorized biography Run to the Hills. I was sad too, but... 
I didn't get into rock and roll to keep schedules and make sure I get my eight hours beauty sleep every night. Um, and then I've been playing the shit out of the new Ghost song. Did you finally hear it, um, Anthony? Dude, I listened to it like before you tagged me in it. Nice. I mean, yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, I think all three of us love Ghost, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's kind of different from what they've done before. Yeah, it's got that that sixties vibe, but yeah, again, I'll, I'll give I'll give that another holy holy fuck balls. Yo, oh fuck yeah, that's all we've been listening. But you know, I really like the other song a lot better, Mariana Cross. Yeah, I mean, they're both great. It's they're gonna be a great. Cool, yeah. seven seven inches of satanic panic, yo. Yeah, I know. it's gonna be a great EP. I know. Get get ready for uh, one inch of dead rights panic with Radu. <laughs> it's coming up soon. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for everything. You guys have a great one, and I will talk to you next week. I'll talk to you from uh, Arizona, Paul. So it's like... yeah, that's right. <laughs> Take care, guys. All, All right. right. Later.